0: Idolatry is not just loving things out of order. False gods don't need your love. They need your hope. They need your trust. Idols are simply totems of our faith, and in this context for Abraham, Isaac had become the object of his faith. Isaac had become the fulfillment of all the promises, and he started to look at Isaac to fulfill everything that God said he would do. Today on the Songtime broadcast, I share with you one of my sermons from Genesis 22 as we continue our series looking at the story, the life, and the legacy of our father Abraham, what he teaches us about faith and why it's important for us to understand what God is doing in the midst of our lives. Stay tuned for that, but first we're going to be talking with Todd Nettleton as we get a little bit more information about what's happening around the world for the persecuted church and the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. The past two years of the pandemic have been difficult for everyone concerned, whether it was sickness, the death of a loved one, or even just the isolation and all of the effects and the infighting of what's taken place over these past two years. Right now, it seems that we're paying for it as we're starting to see all of the rising cost of everything and suffering in our pockets. It doesn't seem to be getting much better, does it? The world just seems to always be under this oppressive uh, dark shadow. It is overwhelming for many But this pales in comparison to what uh, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing as they're suffering in chains, imprisonment, and persecution around the world. We at least have the luxury to talk and complain about what's happening in our world, to complain when we go to the gas pump. Uh, Many others around the world are suffering in such ways that they would wish to deal with our economic crisis. That's why we're joined today by Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. They help us stay informed on how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in chains for the sake of the gospel. And Todd, you mentioned Nigeria. This is a place of the world that we don't hear much about because we don't get a lot of content coming out of Africa. Uh, but this is a really unique concern. Can you tell us what's happening in Nigeria and
1: why uh, we ought to be uh, remembering them in our prayers? There have been a, a couple of really concerning incidents in Nigeria, even in the last you know six to eight weeks. Um, first, there was a, a Christian student, a college student, 25-year-old woman at a, at a teacher's college, who was killed by a mob after alleged blasphemy and the the alleged blasphemy it's very questionable what actually you know happened there apparently was kind of a, a chat group message among her classmates uh, Muslims in the, in the group message began kind of talking about Islam and and, and sort of insulting Christianity uh, and this student apparently responded with hey, you know, this, this group chat is really for us to talk about our assignments and our homework and our classes. It's really not for us to kind of evangelize each other and try to talk about religion and argue about religion. That seems to be what they labeled blasphemy, telling people not to talk about religion in the group chat. Uh, and like I say, she was literally stoned to death by a mob of her fellow students there in northern Nigeria. So that was concerning incident number 1. Then the second thing happened just on on a recent Sunday, a church attack in Ondo state where the initial reports were more than 50 people were killed. The latest reports I've seen they say now 40 people killed but but 80 plus people injured in this attack. It seems very coordinated. Some of the gunmen went into the church and started shooting. Some of the gunmen stayed outside by the doors, and so as the church members tried to flee out of the church, there were gunmen outside waiting to to shoot them as they came out of the church. So a very violent attack, a, a coordinated attack, and as I mentioned, in Ondo State. This is not in northern Nigeria where we typically see these kinds of attacks, where Boko Haram has been active in previously, we still don't know who committed this atrocity. Nobody has claimed responsibility for it. Uh, but for Christians in Nigeria, you see a student being killed by a mob. You see a church being attacked and, and 40 people being killed on in one Sunday worship service. If you're a Christian in Nigeria, naturally you look at that and say, oh, are we safe? Is my family safe? If I go to church this Sunday, am I going to come home safely at the end of the service? It is very concerning for them. And uh, as we see these attacks, it's it, there's kind of a pattern. The government says all the right things. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, yes, we're going to do whatever it takes to find the culprits and hold them accountable. Oh, yes, we will protect Christians. And then a few weeks later, there's another attack, and and they go through the same speech. Yes, we're very concerned. Oh, yes, we're really going to get a handle on this. And so again, Christians in Nigeria have this sense of frustration and this sense of, what does it take for our government to protect us? What does it take for us to be able to go and gather for worship safely? Uh, And so one of the things I really want to encourage our listeners to pray about is pray against that spirit of fear and that spirit of discouragement, because it, it, it is easy to get discouraged. It is easy to say, you know, why is this keep happening? What, what's going on here? Pray against that spirit of discouragement and, and pray that they will continue to be bold witnesses for Christ, even as they know, no matter where they are in the country, there is danger for standing up for Jesus in Nigeria.
0: It's heartbreaking to hear these stories where Christians are being targeted for their faith, and there's a lot of fear and concern about that happening even in Western culture, where it seems that our culture is is trying to draw out Christians as the problem in society, and that potential of persecution is always sort of looming in uh, North America, where, where so much of Christians have been uh, maligned for their faith. But this is only a sort of a a potential problem but it's actually happening in Africa it's actually happening in places like Nigeria where we're seeing people who are being persecuted for no other reason other than their faith in Christ
1: it is and as you say that there often is that charge you know they use the word communal disharmony uh, the, the Christians are making problems because they're causing communal disharmony, and, and they're making the Muslims mad uh, because they're Christians. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, what a, who's attacking who? Who are the people that are getting killed here? It's it it's not the Muslims getting killed. It's people in a church on a Sunday morning in the middle of their worship service. Um, and, and so it is frustrating. And one of the challenges for Christians in Nigeria and, and for us as well is— continuing to be a bold witness, even in the face of that criticism, even in the face of you know rejection and being called, you know disharmonious, being called troublemakers, being called uh, bigots, uh, all of those names that, that are sometimes hurled at Christians. Um, those things can hurt and, and they are frustrating but they don't change the call of Christ to continue to advance the kingdom, to continue to share the gospel. And uh, not that we're called on to be uh, sort of irritating in sharing the gospel, but we are called to be winsome, and we're called to continue on even in the face of difficulty.
0: We've been talking with my friend Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, a ministry that keeps us informed on how to better pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering for the sake of the gospel all around the world. We need to stay informed on, on how to pray for them, but also be uh, encouraged as our faith is reinforced by their boldness and their willingness to risk it all for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to find out more information about Voice of the Martyrs, you can give us a call, 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. VOM Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry that we're proud to be in partnership with because we believe that we ought to we ought to bear one another's burdens. We ought to learn from them and encourage each other to love and good works. And as we need to face the reality that as we face challenges, we ought to live as those who are sold out for the kingdom of God, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And there is much, much that we can learn from those who are suffering on the front lines. Again, if you want to find out more information about Voice of the Martyrs, please give us a call, 508-362-7070. Well, today we are continuing our study in the story of Abraham as we're learning the steps of faith and the faithfulness of God. This is one of my favorite series and in fact, I've preached it before and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you with you today, one of my sermons from Genesis chapter 22. As we look at Abraham facing this test from God to sacrifice his son Isaac whom he loves, his only son. And in this we see not only how Abraham is is learning to trust God, but also how God is testing Abraham. He is giving him an opportunity to grow in a deeper way, greater faith in God. Here is my message from Genesis 22. Abraham has just been asked to kill his son. Do you understand the severity of this request? Does it cause you to recoil in some way? after waiting on god for 25 years going through all of the circumstances all of the struggles hopefully learning some lessons along the way now after god has finally given him what his heart so longed for and desired god says take your son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering why would god make such a strange request it's baffled the minds of of theologians throughout the years It seems so out of character, but I think if we were to understand the heart of God and the heart and nature of Abraham, we would understand the importance and the value of what God is doing even today in our lives. There's a bit of a hint as to why God is asking Abraham to to take his son. It's found here in this phrase. It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, there's no problem with loving your children. But love out of place can have drastic consequences. I can't read through this story without being reminded of A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God in his second chapter, The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. In it, he recounts the story of Abraham and his relationship with Isaac. He says, Abraham was old when Isaac was born, and the child became at once the delight and idol of his heart. The baby represented everything sacred to his father's heart. The promise of God, the covenants, the hopes of the years, and the long messianic dream. The heart of the old man was knit closer and closer with the life of his son till at last the relationship bordered upon perilous. It was then that God stepped in to save both father and son from the consequences of an uncleansed love. By loving the things that God has given us, oftentimes what we do is we replace the position that God has in our lives. It's not wrong to love the gifts that God has given to us, to love our family, to love our spouse, but to find that love to to be the most important thing leaves us in a very dangerous spot, loving things out of order. Timothy Keller in his book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, talks about this relationship of love placed out of order. When he describes this story of, of a woman in his church who had a son, only one son, and her husband, Uh, She was so desperate for the love of her son that she would actually work an angle to to cause uh, discrediting of her husband so that she could have the soul and focused love of her son. She did this at her own peril because as the boy grew up, he started to see what his mother was doing and began to resent his mother. And so she lost the love of her husband and the love of her son. Loving things out of order is dangerous. By loving God, We are not withholding any love from others. In fact, if we don't love God, we cannot truly love others, as we learn in 1 John. But if you don't love God first, there won't be enough room for Him in your life. But where we often talk about love in this context of anything that you love more than you love God is an idol, and whether or not that's true, there is a a context in which that resonates with us. And while we can see in in Abraham that he clearly had a, a misplaced love for his son, there is something far more damning in this context that we have to understand. Idolatry is not just loving things out of order. False gods don't need your love. They need your hope. They need your trust. They need your faith. Idols are simply totems of our faith. And in this context for Abraham, Isaac had become the object of his faith. Isaac had become the fulfillment of all the promises, and he started to look at Isaac to fulfill everything that God said he would do. There's an interesting context here that really puts us in this unique juxtaposition. Because there are many things in this life that we, we love, that we care for, we trust, and we, we should, but they can never fulfill what only God can fulfill. If you were to win the spiritual lottery, you could say that God has given you your wealth, but it wouldn't take very long until you would start to look at your money as a means of provision in your life. It wouldn't take very long for you to look to your friends and your family as the significant portion that gives you your, your purpose and your meaning and your worth. We do this with our traditions, with our worship traditions, because we look at those as the, the means in which they are making us holy, but they're not. The things that God have given us are good, but they in themselves are not the things which God can only do. There's actually a really unique context in this. As, as, as God is telling Abraham to go and to take his son, he tells him go to the land of Moriah and offer him a burnt offering as one on the mountain of which I shall tell you. This actually ties us in to the initial call on Abraham's life, where God told him to go to a land where I will direct you. There's a clear parallel here, because what God is doing in this is saying, I'm, uh, I'm concerned about your faith. I'm concerned about your trust, and I'm reminding you that you don't have to have all the answers but you need to do what I call you to do. He's calling Abraham back to faith, back to trust, a trust that quite frankly doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but a trust that is essential for the development of Abraham's trust in God. James tells us that we should rejoice when we're being tested, for the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Romans 6 tells us similarly, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So the clear answer that we have here as to why God is doing this, why is God doing this in a man who has been so faithfully following God for so many years, the answer is that God has not given up on Abraham, that God is working on Abraham, and God is helping Abraham to grow in his faith. He is producing in Abraham character, hope, and faith. Thank God he doesn't give up on us. And you can teach an old dog new tricks. I really believe that we have a problem with idolatry today. I love how um, both Timothy Keller and and Tozer uh, bring this out in the story of Abraham, but I really do believe that we have a problem with idolatry within our culture. Now, you might think, well, we don't have temples with statues in it where people are going down and bowing down and worshiping. Um, you're right. We probably don't have that like they did in in Jesus' day or even in the days of Abraham. But we also don't have altars in our home. We don't burn incense to uh, uh, statues made of rock and wood and, and precious metals, right? But I would say that idolatry is probably even more common today because it is so subtle, because we don't recognize it, because we don't see it on a daily basis. And here is the question that I would ask you to determine whether or not we actually struggle with idolatry. What is the highest authority that you appeal to when you see the world going through so much strain? When you see conflict and and global conflicts, wars that are happening, when you see a pandemic or you see the economy struggling, what are the things that you focus on? What are the things that you appeal to? What authority do you call on to fix the problem that you're facing? The truth is, I think we often look to Capitol Hill Where we should be looking to the hill from where our help comes from, our help comes from the Lord. In many ways, we have made idols of the things that God has given to us, as opposed to seeing the one who is giving it. And therein lies the problem, loving things out of order, trusting things out of order. We ought to trust in God that he brings all things together for our good. Instead, we panic, we get anxious, we get worried. Why? because we're trusting in the world, and we're not trusting in God. I would encourage you to to see again the story of Abraham and understand what God is doing in his life is showing him that all of the things in this life that we can trust in will fail us. But we can trust in God, and we can be assured that he will not fail us. We can lean on him, we can rest in him, and we can be confident that he will do all things good things. I hope that this encourages you, and maybe you'll go back and read Genesis 22 with a fresh new set of eyes and encourage your heart to understand the richness of what God is doing in being faithful. It's hard, it's painful, but it is good for Abraham to be tested in this way so that he will grow to great greater trust in God. If we have been able to bless you, can I encourage you to be a blessing to us? Will you pray for song time? If if you're facing a hard time with the economy, if you're struggling uh, filling your car up with gas, just imagine how we are dealing with it as a nonprofit. As giving goes down, as as challenges are abounding, as our costs go up, could I ask you? Could I encourage you to give back to the Songtime Ministry? Write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362. Seven zero seven zero. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study here in Genesis 22 as we discover once again what God is actually doing to help Abraham to grow in his faith. When he's saying God will provide, he's declaring the truth of God's promises. Certainly he's answering Isaac, but you know that he's saying this to his own heart. He's preaching to himself the message he would so desperately needed to cling to. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Romans 4, 1-3. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness.